Get your Thursday daily delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to have everybody back for another day. Big week, big show. Jerry Zagoda covers Minnesota United soccer for the Star Tribune. He'll join me in a little while. Training camp for that team opened earlier this week. A lot of interesting storylines with the Loons. Manuel Reynoso is interesting to me. Their pursuit of uh, the South Korean striker is interesting to me. Jerry and I will get into that a little bit as well. It's just a an overall outlook for a team that has been kind of on the fringes of contention. It's made the playoffs now four consecutive seasons, but <clears throat> maybe looking to take another step this year in their own evolution. And a lot of things dependent on that. So Jerry and I will address that, break that down, and get into that in a little while here. Also have some Timberwolves thoughts, losing to the Pistons for the second time in less than two weeks, bookending a four-game winning streak with losses to one of the worst teams in the NBA, is very Timberwolves-esque this year. Perhaps the most unserious team that I have watched in a long time can't get their act together in terms of any kind of maturity or consistent effort. And maybe more concerning than that, Anthony Edwards, um, a flare-up of that hip injury. He left the game, was ruled out, then came back in. Very Brett Favre-esque from 2010. And then, uh, you know, they still couldn't get much going in that second half. They started the game on a 10-0 run, lost by 20. That tells you all you need to know. Lost by, I guess it was 17 at the end, but, you know, close enough. That's what it was when it was really meaningful. So we'll get into that team a little bit more at the end of the show. First, though, what did I miss? Got to tie a bow on all of the Carlos Correa coverage because um, news conference introducing him officially was Wednesday. We heard from Carlos Correa kind of talking through the whole process that brought him to the Twins through this wild journey of free agency. The story very familiar by now, even if it is still so bizarre, agreed about a month ago to that 13-year $350 million deal with the Giants. Looked like the Twins had been outbid at that point, disappointed at that point. That deal falls through. Twins still don't get him when he goes to the Mets on a 12-year, $315 million deal. That also falls through, of course, the medical concern about his surgically repaired ankle from eight years ago, the sticking point with doctors in San Francisco and the Mets. The Twins swoop in, gave him half the term, basically six years, but $200 million. Option years, vesting options based on plate appearances could push that to 270 over 10 years. And uh, Correa and his agent, Scott Boris, end up taking that deal back here after signing that one-year $35.1 million contract last offseason. I mean, it was a three-year deal, but really everybody knew it was going to be a one-year deal, and he was going to opt back into free agency. So here we are, the Twins, assuming a certain amount of risk, but also getting a player who, when he is healthy, is um, one of the best shortstops in baseball and one of the best all-around players in baseball. Players like that don't just fall into the Twins' laps very often, don't stay here in free agency very often. So such a mixed bag of emotions, I would think, right now for Carlos Correa, for the Twins, for their fans. I guess the bottom line is this. The Twins are a better team than they started out at at the beginning of the week. 
Um, and when you can make yourself better, even if it costs a lot of money, six years, $200 million is an average value of a little over $33 million. That is a big financial outlay for the Twins. They are better right now than they were when the week started. So that piece of it is a, is a big deal that we have to think of in the big picture. Now all the little things making up for it um, can can be kind of parsed a lot of different ways. Now one of those things is the optics of a player like Correa who, you know, agreed to terms with te- with two other teams, which, you know, makes it essentially seem like the Twins were at least his third choice. And I think that's a valid concern, even if it's just a PR concern. Correa did address that question during his news conference on Wednesday. Here's Correa on that. Well, uh, Minnesota was always uh, in that small group of uh, teams that I told Scott at the beginning of uh, of a free agency. You know, the, the whole free agency process uh, it's, it's a very complicated process, as we know, and a lot of things happen along the way. But at the end of the day, all that matters is that I'm here. I'm going to represent this city. I'm going to represent this organization. I'm going to do it the right way. I'm going to play hard every single day. I'm going to be out there in the community helping as much as I can. And all that matters is what I do from this moment forward. And I think that piece of it will be fairly quickly forgotten if he succeeds, if all is well here. I think I think his his interest in Minnesota is genuine. I think he did have... He did build good connections here um, a year ago, talking about you know connections still with Byron Buxton, connections with Jose Miranda, other players on the team. I think those are genuine, and so I think that there is that bond. There exists that bond already, so I don't worry too much about that piece of it. I do still, of course, worry about the injury piece. Correa did address that again in uh, in his news conference Wednesday, just kind of talking about controlling what he can control, preparing the way he does. Here was Correa on taking care of his body i focus on the things that i can control and uh, some of these things i had no control over them um so i was not stressing over it too much just for a simple fact that i could not control um their decisions and, and what some other doctors say what i can control is prepare my body every single day to compete every single day to show up every single day to help my team win those are the things that i can control and i stress about that um and as you know i take really good care of my body. I take re- I'm very disciplined when it comes to my preparation in season and the off season. Um, so those are the things that, that I stress about. Now it is fair to point out that Correa has not missed any time, at least not officially during his career for this ankle injury, and that that has not really been a concern so far in his career. It is also fair though to point out that kind of in the middle of his career so far, he has had um, he's had seasons where he's missed a lot of time. 2017 he only played in 109 games. 2018, 110 games, 2019, 75 games. Um, you know, last two seasons, actually last three have been much better. The, you know, the, the COVID year, he played 58 games. 2021, he played 148. Last year with the Twins, played 136. If they can get, you know, 130, 135 games out of him every, every year of this contract, that will be worthwhile to them. That will be good because he is, we know, a player, like we said, when healthy, he is very productive. The question, though, still is when healthy, and now the thing I don't like is that the two most dynamic players the Twins have right now, Carlos Correa and Byron Buxton, won two in that draft so many years ago. They are both take-your-breath-away players. They are both also hold-your-breath-for-health-reasons players. It's going to be a roller coaster. This is part of the big risk-reward with the Twins right now. It's been a risk-reward offseason. The Joey Gallo signing is a risk-reward move. Carlos Correa is certainly a risk-reward move when you think about his injury potential and how much money they gave him. That piece of it is going to be difficult for Twins fans to reckon with. They're going to have to 
you know, go into every year, go into every game perhaps, worrying that their two best players could get hurt at any moment and how much of an impact that could have on the Twins. Not just, you know, you know, in Buxton's cases, these have tended to be lingering, you know, soft tissue injuries that take longer to heal than others with Correa. It's kind of a one false move and things could get really bad for a very long time kind of thing. Again, they haven't yet. So again, going back to Correa's quote about controlling what you can control, you can worry about those things. You can know that they're concerns for the future. Um, but if you dwell on them too much, I guess that isn't, isn't productive. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is the Twins are taking on a lot of risk. There is a lot of upside with Correa, of course. I think Correa spoke to that pretty well in the, <clears throat> you know, in his news conference Wednesday. Scott Boris spoke to it. Um, you know, Derek Falvey spoke to it. I don't think anybody's going into this naive. I like the terms a lot better than any of the other terms before. Six years means, you know, he's playing the first year of his career in his age 28 season, just turned 28. He will turn 34 right at the end of his sixth season. So you're getting some of the best years of his career, and you're hoping that that ankle holds up for at least that long. And, you know, if it's proven to have held up that long until now, that's a good sign. Doesn't doesn't great doesn't guarantee anything in the future, but at least you know that there has been some stability in that ankle for the last eight years. So risk reward is kind of the 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 key uh, the key element of all this. Twins going big on this when other teams wouldn't, and we'll see how that ultimately works out for them. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With twenty four seven gaming, the good times never have to end, and you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. All right, I'm happy to be joined today by Jerry Zagoda, covers Minnesota United Soccer for the Star Tribune. Loons just started training this week for the 2023 season. Um, they kick off in late February, first home match in March. But some in- interesting storylines already, Jerry, as they get ready for the season. Um, you know, their best player for the last few years has been Emmanuel Reynoso. Some intrigue there with with some of the stuff he's dealing with. Um, there's been reports that they're interested in this South Korean striker. And then just kind of trying to get over the hump, um, you know, into a, in a into a spot where they're not just on the fringes of these playoff races at, at the end of the year, but but making a bigger push. Um, you know, from where you sit, and you've been covering camp already so far this week. What what, what stands out to you as things that we should be paying attention to here? In uh, here we are in you know early to mid January. Well, it's hard to really tell because there there are some people who have not here yet. Uh, like you mentioned, Reynoso is still the come in, uh, Makai Debasi, who had kind of a season-ending injury the last several weeks of the season last year, is is in yesterday, but he hasn't participated. Um, Robin Ludd, who is on the MLS every year, has a, oh, it's kind of a media parade out in uh, California to, to drum up stuff for the season. And so he's been there all week representing the Loons, and he'll be back on Friday. So, I mean, right now it's just kind of this unusual mix of, they keep getting younger. They keep adding, you know, looking at players under 25, particularly under this under 22 initiative that they're going to add probably a couple defenders here in the next couple of days. And then they go out and get three MLS veterans, guys, 29, 30, somewhere in there, um, who are good lo- locker room guys and more importantly, uh, 
salary cap friendly because they're really trying to balance that now between the money they're paying out to their top players and uh, um, then trying you know to, to fit in their cap guys that they can get stuff out of for you know a hundred thousand dollars, one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Guys who've been in the league but are kind of looking to finish up their careers. So we'll see all that that uh, mixes together here in the next week, and then they go to uh, Orlando to train, play some games against. Uh, Maybe a little MLS competition, but um, some college uh, teams. And then they come back here for a week, and then they go play this new tournament out in Palm Springs. So it's going to be a busy uh, time coming up here till the end of um, end of uh, February. Yeah, sounds like it. Now, Reynoso, um, you mentioned he's not here yet. Sounds like things are progressing there. Where, where do we stand with everything? Yeah, I, actually, there's, there's... I actually think he's in town. He, uh, he may have... Uh, we, we only saw the morning practice. He may be participating this afternoon. As of okay. yesterday, uh, Adrian Heath said they were still uh, that him and uh, Frago Fragapani, his uh, Argentinian uh, t- teammate, were on their way or were here, but uh, had to go through all their medicals and uh, should be ready to go. I expect probably to see him on the, on the field tomorrow morning at the very least. Well, that's a big deal. I mean, obviously, because they, you know, Reynoso been their best player, but also had you know, dealing with a legal situation that, you know, could be a little bit dicey for him. We don't know a whole lot about that, I imagine, at this point. But, you know, is that a – what's what's the team's level of concern with that, or is that just kind of in the background and they're kind of waiting and seeing on that? Well, Heath kind of brushed it off as, you know, like business as usual. We're going we're going forward. He goes, that was last year, meaning uh, this, uh, this arrest that he had and was uh, accused of beating a 16-year-old boy and making threats with a gun. That was 13 months ago, and then it just, you know, he uh, he was jailed for a, a week back then, and uh, then ended up uh, posting bail and coming, didn't miss any time here. That was 13 months ago, and now it pops up again that that case may be going to a trial. So I don't know how the wheels of quote unquote justice work in uh, Argentina, but uh, that's something to keep an eye on. But uh, Heath, you know, maybe mainly just dismissed it and said, you know. We're going forward, and uh, he's here, and he's cleared to play, and, and that's that. Okay. Um, we'll see if that's Yeah. Well, their pursuit of a South Korean striker sounds like what upwards of you know, many millions of dollars designated player, and Heath definitely talked about that the other day. Where, where do you get? Where do you gauge their level of interest in uh, you know not just level of interest, but level of possibility in uh, in making a move like that? Well, he's one of the guys. I mean, you look at the roster. They've got a, they've got a spot. To, you know, they it seems like they've been perpetually searching for a striker. You know, yes, keep, year by year by year. And now they've got room. They they can create room to get another one to get a designated player. Spend a lot of money. Uh, they've talked about. Um, I'm going to butcher the guy's name, but Cho, uh, Cho Gu Sung, who played, Sung, yeah. scored two, who scored two goals in uh, the Olympics for. Uh, a World Cup for South uh, Korea, right. um, but if whether it's not him, it'll be somebody like him—a big money player, a scorer. Uh, you read the stuff, just you know, googling the stuff and uh, looking on Twitter around the world. You know, there are a couple Scottish teams after him. There's a team in uh, Germany supposedly after him. Uh, it sounds like the the Loons have made a uh, you know offered a good amount of money. Whether that's enough to get a guy um, to come here to play in MLS when he could possibly play in in Europe, uh, well, I, I don't know. That, that should play out over the next couple of days. But if not him, that's that's the one move they have yet really to make. They've got a, they've got a space. 
they could still wait until uh, the summer transfer window to do something with that spot. But um, this is the time of year, you know, middle end of January, where they really start making deals. And uh, um, we'll see if there, whether it's the South Korean striker or, or another player. There's another uh, South Korean striker, older. The, uh, the guy they've been talking to recently was 24. There's been older. I saw his name linked to the uh, to the loons uh, yesterday. A 30 year old guy who they had uh, shown some interest in a couple of years ago. So a lot of this stuff comes in circles back. You hear a guy's name, and then you know uh, a year and a half later they they end up getting him. So uh, a lot of these things take a while. We'll, we'll, we'll see, but I, I suspect whether it's now before the season starts or whether it's in the the summer transfer window that they'll go out and you know get a DP and uh, and buy one of their um, two DPs down to, to make room for a new guy. Roster building in MLS is just kind of fascinating. I mean, soccer in general, but particularly MLS. I mean, you've covered the NBA for a long time. You covered the NHL a long time ago. You covered all sorts, all manners of professional sports. I mean, this is this is a unique animal in, in how you have these different opportunities to improve yourself, how the draft works. Everything about this is just kind of different than a lot of how a lot of other major North American pro sports leagues work, right? I thought the NBA salary cap was a befuddling, you know, right. you got to this, you've got all these different leagues, you know, there's all over the world and, and with different times of seasons. So, you know, like when the Wolves are just starting their season up, uh, some teams elsewhere are just starting to wind theirs down. So that complicates things and transfer windows and all, all that stuff. It's a, uh, I don't know how those guys keep all that stuff straight. Cause uh, I've covered this now a few years and it, and it still makes my head spin. Yeah, it's it's complicated. I mean, and you got to be teams have to be on top of it, obviously, and, and know what they need and know when they're going to be able to get it when certain players are available. Because you know, this is a team that finished the year last year, you know, made the postseason again, but you know, didn't really. I wouldn't. I don't know if you characterized last year as a success or, or a holding on to kind of the the fringes. But you know, how do you think they view themselves going into this year? Do they feel like they're on the upswing, treading water, and, and and how should we look at them right now, kind of coming off of modest success, sustained modest success, but haven't really reached that next level for a while? I think mostly they want to see everybody get healthy and, you know, put this team together and, and, and see what it looks like. Because you saw it in pieces last year. You know, they start out kind of rough, and then they go through this period midseason where they're great, and then they kind of stumble down the stretch, and they – hold on at the very end when they probably had no business making the playoffs, but they did enough to, to make the playoffs and then they lose in the, in the first round. So, you know, I think they want to see another year of, you know, those, that front together with Fragapani and, you know, Reynoso just behind uh, Robin Ludd and whether it's Luis Amaria or uh, to be signed uh, striker, you know, put those guys together and, you know, they're getting Hassani Dotson back, who they haven't seen since last April when he tore his ACL. So there's a versatile player that you can almost pencil in somewhere in the lineup. Who knows where with because you can play so many positions, but, you know, probably somewhere in the central midfield where they're going to have all kinds of options and competition for jobs. And you've got, uh, you know, Dane Sinclair coming back from a World Cup experience. Um, and uh, it's his job now because Tyler Miller left as a free agent. They didn't extend his, his uh, option. So, um, you know, I think they just want to get some st- stability, get this team together, get it healthy, and, and see what they have. I was surprised when I read that Hassani Dotson seems to be 
on track. I mean, maybe that's just the nature of ACLs these days. They're not the as long of a recovery as they used to be. And even, you know, 10 years ago, it was kind of a miracle when Adrian Peterson came back on such a tight timeline in the NFL. Do they really expect he'll be full go by the, by the opener this year? Well, that's going to be, it's going to be close to 11 months. They, they, uh, yesterday, Adrian Heath set the time of uh, March 1st is the time they're hopeful that he can get on the, on the field and really start doing something and contribute. So that's almost 10 and a half months. So it's, that's, it's still a long time. It's still, even though tech, technology has changed, it's still a major injury to, to come back from. So um, we'll see what March 1st brings and if that means just getting it. He's been doing stuff now, but, you know, just kind of on the periphery. He hasn't done any kind of contact stuff, at least the, that I've seen. So, and I talked to him today, and he seems to be progressing and optimistic about this March first date. So, you know, even even if he's not plugged in the starting lineup, then you're thinking March, early April that he'll he'll start to be able to con- contribute. So, the vast majority of the season, at least, which would be good news for them. A couple more things for you, Jerry Zagoda. Anyway, you know, I think we've seen the core of this team. You kind of know some of the players now. They've been together for a little while, at least. Any Anybody that is maybe set to emerge or who have they've kind of like, you know, been working along slowly or have have some high hopes for in terms of, you know, maybe making a, a leap or a contribution this year? Well, I think it's kind of the, you look at the young guys and see what kind of thing, you know, they brought them in, a, a bunch of guys, 23, 24, 25 in the last couple of years, guys like, uh, you know, uh, maybe Emery is a little older than that, but uh, you've got uh, Ariaga uh, and um, Joseph Rosales from uh, Honduras who are, have both, uh, you know, made their mark so far. And, it's, you know, are they ready to take another leap? You got uh, Bongi. Uh, Bongi, I'm try to yeah. This whole name, but you got, you know, that he started showing signs, you know, what, what, what can he do getting here another whole full year together? Uh, Mender Garcia, another guy they invested in that you, we've just seen glimpses of these guys. Let's see what we see for, for a whole year. You know, one of the names I'm hearing from early workouts is a draft picked, was it last year or the year before? Uh, Tani, uh, I will butcher his name too, Alawasi, who um, you're hearing his name. He did the best on these uh training fitness tests when they come in these uh, thing called a beep test and he was uh, the number one fit guy for that and has impressed i guess during workouts so they've got a bunch of these young guys that we've seen bits and pieces of the last year year and a half two years and now uh, it'll be interesting to see what you know with a full training camp and and if everybody can stay healthy what those guys can do and, and who steps to the front for it you mentioned dane st Clair, Mary. that's a good place to end because they really you know a lot of what they did, a lot of their success, especially the first half of the year last year, was predicated on him being pretty good. Um, and, and like you said, coming off of a national team appearance, going to the World Cup with Canada. Um, is, is his level of play, how, how sustainable is that? And, and, and how, you know, how much are they dependent on what he gave them last year, especially, like I said, in the first half of the year? Well, I think he's pretty good. I, mean, I, you know, I guess the question is, is he that good? I think he is pretty good. He's you know, he had, he, he had some stumbles, like right before he had a bad game, right before the, the All-Star game here and uh, when he was honored with his performance in, in August. But, uh, you know, he's big and he's, uh, what is this now, fourth year, fifth year on a second contract. And, uh, um, you know, it's funny because a year ago he was the backup and then all of a sudden um, Tyler Miller gets sick before a game and 
Dane steps in and plays the rest of the season and, and you know, uh, Tyler's gone and now, now he's the, he's the guy, he's the number one, you know, they signed, uh, um, Clint Irwin, a veteran guy who's been around Colorado, Toronto. Um, uh, but he's clearly, you know, he says, he says, you know, you always c- compete for, for the starting job, but he's clearly the number two, the guy they've got in case anything should happen, but it's, uh, it's Dane's job. And, uh, we'll see, we'll see what, uh, you know, the, uh, world cup experience, if that matures him a little, just from being around in that atmosphere. Should be interesting. Jerry will have you covered. Star Tribune, startribune.com. It's a long windup to the season. Like we said, it's about six weeks until they kick it off for real, but a lot to, a lot to look forward to with Minnesota United this season. Jerry Zagoda, appreciate it as always. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, Ten months of soccer coming up. Yeah, baby. Let's do it. All right. Good stuff from Jerry. I like the idea of Major League Soccer trying to establish some sort of training camp Um you know, kind of like baseball's training camp, trying to establish something where fans go down, watch these guys in the preseason, get a little sun, soak it up, because so many of these MLS cities are, you know, in these cold weather cities, and so much of the training is happening kind of at the same time as baseball, a little bit earlier even, of course, January, February, but a time when people might like to get away. If you're a big enough soccer fan, you might want to go travel and watch these guys play some some preseason, some exhibition, get a little time outside, get a little time in the fresh, warm air, Sounds pretty good to me, so maybe that's a good thing that MLS could have going in future years, and we will see how this year plays out for the Loons. Let's finish with an extended cooler. Timberwolves, like I said at the jump, lost to the Pistons last night. Again, seemed like there was progress being made. They had that closed-door, players-only post-game meeting after they lost to the Pistons last time. That was the culmination of a six-game losing streak. After that, seemed like they'd cleared the air Won some games, looked pretty good doing it, had some positive momentum going into the second half of the season, which was the start of the second half of the season, you know, officially in terms of games played. They'd played 41 before Wednesday night, had some momentum going into Detroit, felt like they were starting to figure some things out, started that game on a 10-0 run, and then everything fell apart again. This team just can't seem to muster any sort of consistent effort on defense, can't seem to muster any sort of consistent energy. I don't know who the ultimate barometer of that is. I don't think it's fair to pin it on one person. I think D'Angelo Russell is some of that energy. I think Rudy Gobert at times is some of that energy. Carl Anthony Towns, you can't blame him right now. He is out. And they're 10 and 11 with Towns, 10 and 11 without Towns. So tell you that tells you kind of where they're at right now. The bigger concern in all of this is that Anthony Edwards does not seem fully healthy, not even doesn't seem, is flat out not healthy. Left the game as part of uh, you know, part of that, that hip issue he's going through, was ruled out, then came back in. That does not happen very often. Chris Hines, Star Tribune writer, uh, was at the game, asked asked Edwards afterwards, you know, how is he? Is he doing okay? What's what's going on with, with all that? Um, and, you know, and, and Edwards, uh, you know, Edwards said to him, man, I'm good. Tell him what they want to hear. I'm good. I don't know if I like that a whole lot. He finished with 20 points. Chris Finch left him in late in the game. Edwards said, you know, this is the second time in three games he's had to come out of the game because of his hip injury. Chris asked him, could he use a game off to rest? Edwards says, I played the, played the very game right after it, Edwards said in relation to his hip injury. I guess I just got to play every game from here on out, no matter how it feels. I'll figure it out. Kind of feels like he feels like he has to be out there if they're going to have a chance to win, which is not a bad instinct right now. They really did 
fall apart when he was not on the court Wednesday night. I mean, you take Towns away, there's going to be some deficits. You take Gobert away, there's going to be some deficits. You take some other guys off the court. Kyle Anderson didn't play. They felt that on Wednesday night. But you take Anthony Edwards out of this mix, and they are in a world of hurt. That said, Edwards also in a world of hurt, it sounds like, with his hip problem. So how they navigate that, how they get him back to somewhere closer to 100% than what he is right now will be a big thing to watch as this season goes along because they can't have Edwards at 70-80%, can't have him not feeling like he's able to do the things he's going to do, can't have him exiting games all the time now because of the hip problem. So how that impacts the rest of the season is just one more thing to watch for this team. And again, effort and consistency are so much more of the bigger picture problems with this team and that's the biggest disappointment of this team right now not any kind of injury not any kind of anything else how does this team not have a consistent effort and energy after 42 games all i can all i can conclude is that this is just not a very serious team and they won't be a serious team until they figure that out that will do it for today's show. Should have Ben Gessling coming up on Friday's show with me to talk Vikings, getting you ready for the playoff game. Check us out on YouTube, by the way. We've been doing some YouTube videos um, off of some Vikings coverage we've been doing. Star Tribune YouTube page. You can look for those links off of the StarTribune.com and other places, but uh, and also from social media. Just giving that a whirl, seeing how that looks. And just another way to get some some podcast information and get some other stuff for you. So check that out off of the Star Tribune YouTube page. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Michael Rand. Like I said, back at it again on Friday.